Casino calling line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. I mean, for sure. I just, I just, I know the, the the history of this program, but like, it's totally not a destination. You know, we, 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 these guys. Um, what I love about this group is, we had finals week. They studied for their finals. We had a week off after a big week, and every practice they were locked in for the two hours that we had to lock in during finals week. Um, I don't think they overlooked this game at all. Um, so it's these guys know it's not a destination. You know now. Now we got a, a top ten team coming up, you know, in Carolina, um, and uh, in a supposedly neutral site um, in, in Charlotte. Um, I was there last year, and even our Florida game, it was all baby blue. Um, so, but we know we know there's their storied program. So our guys um, are excited about next one up. It's the next one up, all right. Top fifteen matchup in Charlotte. R.J. Davis, uh, Tar Heels' leading scorer, 21.6 points per game. Armando Baycott, 11.3 rebounds per game. He's a Haas inside. Uh, UNC currently a three-point favorite over the Sooners tonight. But, yeah, it's a top 15 matchup in the Jumpman Invitational. And just just play your basketball, man. That's that's what I would uh, – that's kind of what I'm hoping for tonight. It's uh, Carolina's going to be tough in the post, but – I think that you can overcome a lot of things if you get the guard play that you've gotten throughout the first 10 games. And if you get that guard play, you'll have more than a chance to win tonight in Charlotte because that guard play has been exceptional and it's been consistent throughout the first 10 games of the year. But this is, without a doubt, the the biggest test of the season, for sure. Yeah, and, you know, it it would have been easy to look ahead to it, uh, I think, at times during the Green Bay game. Uh, maybe they were looking ahead to it a bit until they went on a 45 to 10 run uh, against Green Bay. But yeah, I think I think the depth of this team, the guard play, obviously guys like Sam Godwin and and John Hughley. If you can make your free throws, if you can defend like you've been defending uh, with that high energy, I think you can force them into a lot of mistakes. Like like the Sooners have continuously forced teams into mistakes this entire year. Yeah, I uh, I can't wait for it. You can't wait for it. Text line from what we've seen today, they can't wait for it as well. It, it really ever since that game against Green Bay went final on Saturday. It's Wednesday cannot get here soon enough. Everyone's really excited for this one, and we asked it last hour, and no one's really pushed back on it. We're we're kind of saying that this is the big the biggest regular season game since Buddy Hield was on campus that that Final Four year be it the Kansas game at home when college game day was here, uh, maybe the game where you went to Lawrence and it was a one-versus-two matchup. I mean, we kind of threw that out, out that opinion about an hour ago, and, and no one's really pushed back on it. So maybe this is one of the biggest games of the past eight years when it comes to regular season matchups. I, I think given the name of the opponent, I think that it probably is. Yeah, it just puts that little bit extra on it, right? It's This, this game would have been big. For the optics, if it was a 20th-ranked North Carolina, right? This game would have been is big for the optics if it were a top-10-ish ranked matchup anyways. Um, and it would have been a, a good optics game if it were in the Jumpman Invitational, right? I mean, Michigan, Michigan and Florida just played, and that was, you know, a nationally televised game. 
Tyler, we get all three of those things. You get the brand of North Carolina, you get the Jumpman Invitational, and you get a highly ranked team in North Carolina, somebody who, you know, in in the preseason, a lot of people uh, had them going to the Final Four. I think a lot of them probably still do. And on on Lunardi's uh, most recent bracketology, the Sooners moved from outside of the initial um, bracket in the preseason all the way up to a two seed. Jeez. So, oh, they, they yeah. were a four last week. They're a two seed now? Up to a two seed, the last hey, two seed. Yep. Let's How go. crazy is that? I mean, yeah. In this short of time to go from an unranked team that, like you said, they weren't even on Lenardi's yeah, bracketology before the season started to a two seed before we even get to conference play. It's It's happened fast. It's happened quick. But it just – Goes to show you the the complete roster rebuild. And there's some pieces back from last year, so it hasn't been like a complete roster rebuild. But the new faces they brought in have certainly helped, especially at that guard spot. And I, I thought that they might be the most improved team in college basketball three weeks ago. Is there any denying that they are the most improved college basketball team now on December 20th? It's kind of getting hard to fight at this point. I mean, yeah, how couldn't it be? I mean, it, you're picked to finish at the bottom of the Big 12, and now all of a sudden you're, I mean, right at the top of it. And they've done it really with defense, though. The guard play has been fantastic. But, I mean, in the in the, uh, in the the Ken Palm, they rank eighth nationally in yep. adjusted defensive efficiency. 61 points against uh, so far this year. Pretty good. I mean, Really incredible. Um, limiting opponents at 37.5% shooting from the field. That ranks top 15 nationally, second in the Big 12. And that's when Porter first got here, Tyler, that's what that's what he talked about, right? It, it, it wasn't exactly the Brent Venables verbiage of, uh, you know, the suffocating uh, defense, but it was kind of like that. It was, hey, we want to get up and down. We want to play lockdown defense. Even the most famous picture of Porter Moser is him dropped down in the defensive pose uh, in a uh, in a in a suit and tie essentially without the coat, but I mean he wants to lead with defense, and this team will push it on you, even out after a made basket. They are looking to push, and a strong defensive effort and high defensive energy is what has led to such success. Eight steals per game as well. That's a that's a very very high number, very impressive number as well, and. I uh, I was posting on our Facebook and, and Twitter pages after the win over Green Bay, and look, Green Bay is far from the best team that OU is going to play this year. But I got a lot of, well, come back when they actually play someone. How about when they play someone? Oh, okay, yeah, it was a win over Green Bay on Saturday night. They won 81-47. They cruised in the second half. But my God, can we look past a game against Green Bay and the rest of the year to not see how improved that this team is and how exciting it is? Do, do do some people have to wait until they beat North Carolina and Charlotte to finally say, all right, this is a pretty good basketball team. Yeah, they're a lot better than last year. Because I've already been there. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't need a win tonight to make me feel good about the direction of this team. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it, it gets a little... Annoying, right? Because you can only play the people on your schedule. And the difference is teams around the country, it's not like everybody else played, you know, the Thunder and the Nuggets in their non-con. I mean, it's a lot of teams are playing by games, and they're losing by games. And, Tyler, we've won multiple games by 39 points. We went on a 45-10 to 10 run the other day. What do we say during football season, right? 
you, you can't tell if you're a contender in the non-con, but you can tell if you're not. And if you go out there and take care of business against the teams you're supposed to take care of business against, that's the mark of a good team. Well, I'll use another football team analogy with this squad. How many times this year did we say, God, they just can't deliver the kill shot, man. They'll get a lead, and it's time to put the game away, and for whatever reason, this team just they, they just can't do it. We, we talked about that a lot this year. And this basketball team, the only close game they've played, really, is the game against USC when they won at the buzzer. Other than that, all the other games have essentially been blowouts. So they've delivered the kill shots in the second half when they've needed to, and have they played the toughest non-conference schedule? No, but they've still beaten some good basketball teams by a nice margin. I'm looking at the Providence game in the Arkansas game as, uh, as proof of that. But tonight's a big test. ESPN FPI has uh, Carolina a 52.4% chance to win this basketball game. And I bet before the year, the basketball power index probably had Carolina north at about 85% to win this game. So th- this is this is going to be, or, or like th- the line probably would have been double digits. This is this game's looked at much differently than it would have been looked at a month ago for sure. Yeah, I'll never trust ESPN FPI again after it said we we were the most likely to make the college football playoff. Um, that hurts. That, that <laughs> so, hurts. So I'm, by like twenty percent, by the way, at one point right. this year. So I'll be holding that grudge, no doubt. But but yeah, I mean, again, opportunity is the word. They've got a big opportunity. You go and you you close the door. Again, just have a normal Oklahoma game and and not finish this thing in single digits. They've only had one game that came down really to the last possession. So, I mean, go out there, play like you're supposed to, and you'll still get the people that want to make excuses. Oh, well, North Carolina, you know, they've been coming off a stretch against all these good teams. They were they were battered. They weren't at full strength. Who cares? Just go out and keep winning if you're Porter Moser. You need to get as far of a non-conference head start as if you're a Big 12 team as you can because you know that the Big 12 is just an absolute gauntlet. So get you know get to that 13 and 0 mark, get to that 12 and 1 mark, and then embark on on the toughest conference in basketball. Eric in the OC says OU basketball team beat Providence by like 20 points, and Providence just beat Marquette. Yeah, what, what was the margin in that? They, they beat him bad. They were up like 15 to 20 the entire game. I yeah. think uh, about seven minutes left in the second half. Um, Marquette pulled it a little bit closer, but then they shut the door. I think they won by like 14 or 15. But that's the thing. It's I know I know people look at the word Providence and they're like, maybe they probably don't even have, they don't have a football team. What's going on here? They're probably no good. No, Providence is a good basketball team. 10 and two. That's going to be a resume builder. There's no. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they were ranked going into next week. Could be. Uh, in, in terms of the transfer portal today, and we'll get to uh, signing day coming up next segment, all is kind of quiet on the portal front, and that's, that's to be expected. I mean, today really the spotlight is on the 2024 class. So I, I would think as we get into tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, we start to see some more portal movement. Uh, potentially even favor of OU, but Geno Vandermark, a Michigan State, an offensive lineman, like you know OU is going to take at least one more offensive lineman. Does it feel like Geno Vandermark is the maybe maybe the next name that could uh, that could happen on the O-line? Yeah, probably. Um, what was telling is I know Michigan State was trying their darndest to keep him in the fold, um, and I think, I think we all know what trying their darndest 
means in the 2023 going into 2024 um, verbiage. That usually means that there's some cash involved. But after that was uh, kind of reported, a Michigan State insider put in a crystal ball for Oklahoma to land the offensive guard. So those efforts may have been futile. And I think I think our next, I think both of our next two commits are going to be offensive linemen. Both going to be interior offensive linemen. So I think you're I think you're still going to be in good shape going into uh, going into 2024 in the SEC with some some young talent that has been in this system for a little while. You look at the guys like Josh Bates and Jake Sexton and Jake Taylor and and these kind of guys. Your Heatho Zaydas of the world, Logan Howland. You get those guys, and you bring in this. This experience that actually has starting experience, but understands I got to go somewhere that I can be developed into an NFL guy. And the person you call when that's uh, on your mind is Bill Beatonbow. Yeah, well, we'll continue to uh, look at names that could be added before the portal cycle is over. But you know, old Muleshoe is counting the days until the uh, portal cycle is over. Golly, he's just trying to weather the storm at this point. Uh, yeah, it's bad. Are, are they? Like, I would look at A and M. And two weeks ago, like the first week of the portal, A and M was definitely a portal loser, and they're still in that mix. Has USC surpassed Texas A and M as biggest portal loser? Because it feels like those might be one two at this point. As far as as far as optics and raw talent, yeah, I, I think you. I, I think they have because here here's the difference, right? Is you can explain away A and M, right? Well, they lost their head coach. They lost their, you know, both coordinators, their defensive line coach that was really supposed to retain most of the players. He's gone. Like, you can explain that away. If you look at USC, Lincoln Riley's still there. Like, there's no there's no reasoning for the exodus. There's People are leaving because there isn't a change being made. That is far more damaging than... Texas A&M just saying, hey, look, of course these kids are going to decommit. They didn't commit to these coaches in the first place. Uh, great point, Jeff, from OKC. USC is always a loser. That's that's right. They were a loser five yes. times this year in the regular season, and me thinks they're going to be a loser when they play uh, Louisville coming up next week as, uh, as well. Sam and Edmund says, Jordan Seaton really going to Maryland now? Money in college football is really making things crazy. Dude, he committed on live TV like oh, two for- weeks ago. For content, you have no idea how bad I want that to happen. <laughs> and he's going to go to Maryland now? Jeez. Well, at because, least there's a prediction out there for that to happen. Because it's so, it would be so perfect. And, and the prediction is a Maryland insider. So so who knows? I don't think any of the big national guys have uh, have made that move yet. But, but the thing is... If he leaves after all of his comments, if you're, you know, if you're a dog, you got to ask yourself, why not Colorado? Why not do this? He wanted to make it such a big spectacle. And Tyler, you remember when people were asking, oh, why can't Bill Biedenboe get Jordan Seaton involved? At this point, they can have him. They can have him. That that's a guy that'll be in the portal at least once uh, throughout his career. The way he literally uh, go in the past two weeks. He committed less than two weeks ago on live TV on the biggest platform that anybody has ever committed to a program. Sat up there and went on and on about this big Deion Sanders sales pitch. And that guy, I mean, I don't even think that episode has made it to YouTube yet, and it could be irrelevant. Cherokee Sooner says players aren't running from USC. They're running to the portal. Yeah. What did that weasel once say? <laughs> we didn't take players from Oklahoma. We took players from the transfer portal. 
Yeah, okay, dude. He's having to lie in it right now, and it's just it's it's incredible to watch. I love every bit of it. Four zero five six five. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. This holiday season, remember that local businesses make our community unique and our economy thrive. When you shop local, you build relationships, receive better customer experiences, and get personal service. Let's let our Norman business neighbors know we appreciate them by showing up and supporting those businesses that give back to our community. Be sure to visit Sooner Theater, Poppy, Spirits and Wine, Christmas Expressions, Bamboa, and Bison Witches. Shop smart and shop local this holiday season. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So, uh, and Taylor Tatum, uh, again, from uh, Longview, we know what that program represents. We've had several Sooners uh, that have come from, you know, uh, the University of Longview and, uh, you know, Coach King and what that uh, staff uh, is all about. You know, you know you're going to get somebody, another multi-sport player and, uh, and Taylor Tatum, you know, he take the top off the defense. He's a home run hitter at running back. His power, speed, his instincts, uh, you know, just... Uh, very reminiscent of some other great backs that we've had from East Texas uh, and some of the skill set and got great size and power. Um, tremendous baseball player uh, is going to play baseball here at the University of Oklahoma. And again, another, uh, you know, uh, fist bump to Coach Johnson and the staff to for all of their help in facilitating the recruitment of Taylor. Amazing family. Uh, and again, coming from a program that, that has very, very high standards and expectations. And again, the physicalness that the game requires, this is something that he epitomizes. So, uh, yeah, he has great speed and really intelligent, smart young guy, but he's got the physical uh, stature as well that's going to help transition uh, quickly. There's Brent Venables talking about the number one running back in the class, Taylor Tatum, who did sign today. Not a whole lot of drama today. If there was any drama, it was that, that Taylor Tatum didn't sign at 9 9.30 like the rest of the class. And if you didn't see or you know listen to the press conference, basically Brent talked about every single player in the entire class at the front end of the press conference. But Taylor Tatum hadn't officially signed yet. Taylor Tatum signs in the middle of Brent Venable's press conference. Then, Travis, he circles back around to talk about Taylor Tatum right in the middle of the press conference. So there was small panic, but all for naught. Taylor Tatum ends up signing, and there's Britt Venables talking about the uh, the number one back in the class. Pretty pretty funny how that worked out, though, right in the middle of his press conference. Yeah, and, you know, I've got – we've seen many texts come across the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. That's 405-651-3439, asking what Brandon Drum's tweet was about, uh, which you can't tweet cryptically on signing day. If you if you're an insider, that's you know you get people all worked up. But it was about the reports that Taylor Tatum was going to sign in the spring, the incorrect reports Yikes. that Taylor Tatum was going to sign in the spring. So yeah, yeah, never was going to happen. He signed at 11 a.m. 
But, Tyler, it's such, it's such a good sign that the most dramatic part of our signing day was that Tatum didn't sign until 11 a.m. Like, could you imagine if, like, David Stone waited until like 6 p.m. tonight. No, that would we're, we've been we've been hurt too much in the past to go through something like that. We we couldn't even wait until 11 a.m. for the final member of the class to 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 sign without freaking out. We've been, we've yeah. been hurt too much. <laughs> that, that would not. He's have an Oregon out. duck. Yes, yeah. USC <laughs> Trojan, whoever we we would have come up with everything. But 27 to 27, and uh, all before noon hit today. Successful day and. It's almost like we were looking for drama because that turned into to, to, into drama for like 30 minutes, and then it was over. That's fine, yeah, 27 to 27. Uh, would you like to hear from a member of the 24 class, uh, a, a dad in the 24 class who just texted in on the well, Meyer Chevrolet text line? I'd love to. Uh, Liam Evans' dad, the uh, five-star kicker, just texted him. Says, Liam's dad here. I don't chime in much, but someone earlier mentioned – He'd, he'd need to learn how to handle pressure. No doubts. No way to practice what it will be like to kick in front of 90,000. But a fun signal to me that he might handle pressure well was the Coles National Scholarship Camp in Gatlinburg, Tennessee this summer. You guys have talked about how he scored 35 of 36 possible points in field goal kicking to win and be the field goal champ for the camp. He missed one in session one and had a perfect session, too, the next day. On the third day, he was tied for first with 23-24. Other guys and even college coaches were texting him that morning, and he knew he had a huge target on his back. He could go win it all or fall apart and not even finish top 10. Sick to his stomach, couldn't eat breakfast, but it completely swallowed his nerves and went out and kicked a perfect session three, Everything was right down the middle like he had ice in his veins. Liam finished alone at the top with 35 of 36. 35 is the number he's worn for more, and he'll wear number 35 for Oklahoma. I've told him that number should always remind him that he performs his best when the pressure is on. Boomer. Man. How about that? Thank Jeez. you, Liam's dad. Thank you, Mr. Evans. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, absolutely, that and he's good from awesome. deep too. He, uh, you know, he uh, in 2022 he won the uh, Coles Texas Showcase um, by making a 56 yard field goal into a 10 mile an hour win. So he, I mean, the dude's the truth. And Tyler, dare I say, when he suits up as number 35, that he will be remembered as the greatest athlete to ever wear the number 35 in the state of Oklahoma. Yes. Talking to you too, Seth Luttrell. That's not just a Kevin Durant joke. <laughs> Seth Luttrell. <laughs> that that's that, that's, that's an awesome text. Yeah, that, that that is that he sends a uh, a little graphic there of the Coles uh, National Scholarship Camp, and there's Liam Evans right there at the top, number one, not tied for number one, number one all by himself. There were one, two, three, four kickers tied for second, but Liam Evans with 35 points uh, to win. So yeah, you're you're getting a. I know he was ranked seventh. He's a five star, but he goes to the Coles kicking camp and wins that. And I don't know if anyone else in the top six was at that camp. I'm guessing that's probably the case. The point is, he was there with the elite of the elite. Like his dad said, there was pressure definitely going into day three, and he stood out above the rest. So that's that's something. Yeah, absolutely. Now we, we, we feel free, uh, Mr. Evans. 
text as often as you'd like. Yes. Text as often as you'd like. Uh, people are now asking, uh, please give me Mr. Evans' Twitter <laughs> handle. What a freaking text. <laughs> Got to get Liam's dad to call in sometime. I'll tell you what. You know, the uh, we've talked about kicker being maybe the most m- most talked about kicking prospect we've had. I, 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 th- we that might be the most talked about kicking prospects dad that we've ever had. Yeah, yeah, it could be. M- maybe Mr. Evans, uh, like Steve Stutzman has for a couple of years now, and will this year, will be joining us uh, in uh, post game radio shows after uh, football games. Got to keep the tradition alive. I'm all know? about it. All about it. Uh, chili water can Liam Evans kick in the bowl game. Uh, Chapstick says Liam's dad is nicer than I am. I would have told everyone to f right off. Guy from Parts Unknown says I'm putting a number 35 stamp on all my golf balls now. Uh, Blue of Green Country says so now just keep Liam away from kicking any food item, or or uh, or eating any food item in the morning. Isn't that what his dad said? Sick to his stomach, he couldn't even eat before session three. Yep, absolutely. Whatever, whatever, I don't know, superstitions, anything, let's go ahead and lock those in right now. Yeah. Kick, kicking is a very superstitious uh, situation, so whatever we got to do, lock those in right now, but do not let him kick a burrito. Sam and Edmund says, Mr. Evans, instantly a five-star texture, came in spitting fire on the text line. Only thing missing was some stone-cold intro music before reading that text. Hey, it's... If that's if if that continues to happen, I'll I'll, I'll do some intro music when we read a uh, Liam Evans dad text. That that can happen. Five eight zero says, "Could he kick it over those mountains?" Which is funny. And Lost City Sooner says, "If he hits ninety percent of his kicks, heck, we'll give him number forty four. Ooh, I, th- I think I think he's got to stay thirty five. Uh, well, now that there's a story behind it, right. I mean that's kind of the main part of the text, like. Would it be awesome if Bosworth uh, awards the kicker the number 44 jersey? Sure, but 35 has some meaning behind it now, now doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, man, I love that. What a, what a great text. If if there are any other uh, signees from today, any any fathers or mothers or cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, roommates, whatever, want to text in, feel free. It's a, it's a joyous day here on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line as we celebrate the number six class. The number seven ranked basketball team taking on UNC, just to, and the demise of uh, USC, ah, the demise of uh, Texas A and M. It's everything's coming up roses today, Tyler. Uh, top three position groups in this class: Would you go D line one, wide receiver two? I don't know if you just want to go secondary as a whole. Uh, D line one, wide receiver two, secondary three, or would you uh, rank it any differently than that? I would – running back's got to be up there. Okay. I mean, number one running back, and then you get Xavier Robinson. Um, you get Andy Bass. I mean, getting two quarterbacks that are both good quarter. I don't know. This I, – I D- D-line's one. Can, can we all get there? D-line's the, one. D-line's one. Really, the question here is what's two and three. I know. And wide I mean, receiver's really else. good, man. I mean, is, is wide receiver an, an, an easy number two? Yeah, I would probably go. I would go wide receiver, and then I would either have safety or running back as the number three. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, no offensive line there at three. We're getting at least one text that says offensive line should be three. I, I think if you get Grant Bricks in this class, that it's in the top three. But safety, with some of the players that you have back there, um, I mean, it, it's a good conversation to have. That D line is, yeah, that's number one. You needed defensive line to be number one in this class. You needed that to be the case. Uh, wide receiver, which is the the amount of wide receivers you had, the skill level there, um, I think is number two. But it's a good converse, it, It's a good problem to have if we can't figure out what the third best position group in this class is, because it, I mean, it, there's really just strength all over at this point. D line, safety. Wide receiver, running back, offensive line like we're talking about. I'll probably say safety three, but you could talk me into maybe one or two others. Yeah. Well, it's tough when comparing things like that. Devon Mitchell, he got kind of singled out when Brent was talking about him. I mean, I know that everybody got singled out. but He said one of, the most, one of our most important uh, gets in this class. Yeah, he singled him out big time. Yeah, and it's and – it's, it's always interesting because you don't, you know, this whole thing is about team and culture and everything. So it's always tough to say, you know, one of our most important. But Brent Venables knows that the tight end room was lacking this year, and he knows the how special of a prospect Devon Mitchell is, and that he's going to be arriving early, obviously as nineteen others will be. But yeah, I think that that stood out to me the most probably today. The, the Sooner Andy says, the fact that you are debating which group belongs in the top three is a great sign. Excellence and, and balanced class. And, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was saying there for sure. Uh, Blue says, let's get Jet, Jet Kalmus from Jinx a scholarship or PWO, please. Rocky's brother, Richie's son. Richie was a Jinx legend in his own right. And someone else asking for the top four PWOs. Uh, Liam Evans, uh, definitely one of those. Uh, Andy Bass, definitely one of those. Uh, Bergen Kaiser, I would say, is one of those. And then maybe throw in Norman High's uh, Dax Knowles as well. But you're clearly seeing, Travis, that their commitment to bringing in PWOs over the past couple of uh, recruiting cycles, like there's a real, like they they really want to make that a thing, and they have. And it, it feels like mostly when they're bringing in PWOs, it's in-state kids that, okay, we like you as a player. Maybe we can't offer you a scholarship. Maybe you can't count towards our numbers. But we like you enough that we want to get you on campus and find a way to make this work. And they're doing that with about four to five, maybe even more, kids a year uh, in a recruiting class now, which is not a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing. It, it keeps that continuity. It keeps the culture right. Uh, you're able to, you know, with that in-state tuition, cover the PWO, I believe, a little bit easier. Um, yeah, and you get people from winning programs, too. I mean, these are these are good teams, uh, good players from good teams that are coming on board. You know, a lot of coaches, they talk about wanting winners on the team, and, and that's what you're getting in a lot of these preferred walk-ons. And you know what's funny, Tyler? That's why a lot of people are like, Oklahoma's the new Nebraska, you know, they, they talk about that as an insult. A, that that's dumb. But B, part of what made Nebraska so good, a lot of people say the, the whole reason Nebraska was so good was their walk-on program. So, so giving that extra attention is always going to be a plus in my book. Yeah. KW918 says, is Taylor Tatum the highest-ranked running back we've ever signed 
besides AP, as Brando would say. Ugh, gross. Brando did say AP, that's right. Highest-ranked running back we've ever signed? Um, In, like, the recruiting rankings era, maybe, but I wouldn't say ever, ever. No. Uh, I believe Joe Mixon was higher than him, correct? Yeah, I mean, you both were a five-star. I was Mixon the number one. Like, If you want to look at it that way, well, hard to be ranked higher than the number one running back, but Tatum is still a four-star by some services there. So, yeah, I, Joe Mixon would be ranked higher. Um, yeah, and obviously this is only going back to the, uh, um, you know, what we know. I'm, I'm pretty sure Billy Sims would be would be up there. Marcus Dupree would be up there. Kenny King would be up there. Uh, all, but we can only go off of the, the 2000. So, yeah, I would say A.D. would be number one. And then Jeremy Calhoun uh, in the class of 2008 would be up there. I mean, Marcus um, Dupree, you had assistant coaches going to stay in his hometown. Yeah, at that yeah. time. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Again, historically, you're, you'll get you'll get a ton. But Joe Mixon, Demarco Murray, uh, those type of guys. The fact that we're even bringing up those kind of guys around Tatum's name is a good sign. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll hit the big stories in college football coming up next, right here on the Ref. The word is spreading, and the Ref Army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network, and worldwide on the KREF app. There are trucks, then there's the truck. GMC Sierra, with available features like the V8 engine, the ultimate luxury interior. Three lines going on in football right now, and let's start with our guy, number six, who had one of the best games by an opposing quarterback ever on Lambeau Field on Sunday. Baker Mayfield was named NFC Offensive Player of the Week, and I don't I don't think it's too surprising, Travis. The numbers uh, speak for themselves, but very, very, very happy with Baker Mayfield. And now let's get him that NFL Comeback Player of the Year award because it really feels like he deserves it at this point. Hey, he, uh, they announced that baby, and all of a sudden our, our guy's been <laughs> balling out of control, so... You know, nothing will motivate you like uh, like a child on the way. But yeah, played great. the the real The real question this season, Tyler, was: Will Baker earn another contract? And the way he's been playing, if not, you know, if not from Tampa Bay, I have to assume he'll earn a contract from somebody. I mean, the Giants played so. paid Daniel Jones an obscene amount of money. And Baker's looked better. Obviously, Daniel Jones isn't playing right now, but he looked better early and still looks better. Outside of that torn labrum season, Baker's been a good quarterback. And I, I hope that every every game that he plays up to this level that continues to paint that torn labrum season as more of the outlier, the better. And I think, I pray, that he's going to get that that contract that sets him up for a few more years as well and just some continuity for the guy man he's had no That's, continuity and that any yeah for sure man but he's having a hell of a year and that was awesome moment for him on Sunday one of the best games maybe the best game he's ever played in the NFL uh, all right to college football a familiar name but one that didn't play a lot this year you see the way that Spencer Sanders Ole Miss career is coming to an end Oof. he is academically ineligible for the Peach Bowl coming up. Now, Jackson Dart's their starter, so who knows if Spencer Sanders would have played anyway, but 
He trans he leaves Oklahoma State. Um, reports say that he wanted to come back to Oklahoma State. Maybe the head coach didn't allow that. He goes to Ole Miss and was the backup quarterback all year, and now he's ineligible, and we'll see if he can make it in the NFL or not. But what a strange ending to someone who played college football. What was his first year was when Jalen Hurts was was at OU. Just just an odd ending from him for him. I thought his first year was when Josh Heupel was at OU, but <laughs> it may have been. But, but, Maybe but, his redshirt year. I must be mistaken. But yeah, it just a weird just a weird thing overall, right? Uh, you know, hopefully everything gets gets squared away for him. But it, a, a lot of people said, you know, when talking about OU's backup quarterback situation going into twenty twenty four, they said, Man, why can't you just go out and get like a like a Spencer Sanders type? Well, now that it's ended this way, it's like, do it, it, is that still something y'all want to do? Yeah, because so I'm good. Just, just, just odd how it all worked out for, uh, yeah. or, did, or really didn't work out for him. Is Florida State trying to blame the ACC for being left out of the college football playoff, or are they using being left out of the playoff as another reason as to why they want to leave the conference? What, what's Florida State doing here? Not the ACC's fault that you got left out of the four-team playoff. It's the committee's fault that they didn't think that you were as good since your starting quarterback got hurt. I'm not buying any of this crap. I'm not supporting Florida State on this. We knew before the year that they wanted to leave the ACC. It sounds like they're just trying to uh, use this move to say, oh, well, this is another reason why we want to leave the conference. Yeah, well, I've heard that. Uh, There's the, the, the conspiracy theory where... You know, their AD, Michael Alford, voted against the playoff expansion, so now the playoff is uh, taking it out on him by leaving them out of the playoff and, and getting their revenge. Um, there's stuff about the alliance. There's just I feel like Florida State is just going with the shotgun approach here um, and just firing off everything they can of blame of, you know, why it happened this way, conspiracy this way. Hey, maybe we can get out of the ACC using this. I think they're just trying to – Trying to trying to use the spotlight and the and the I guess the I don't know kind of the public sympathy to their benefit. Well, I, we'll see if the SEC's falling for it or not. The whole public uh, sympathy uh, sympathy card that they're trying to to throw out there. Dante Moore of UCLA, former five star, is uh, heading to Oregon. How do you think Dylan Gabriel feels about that? Not a big deal. He's going to be the starter anyway, and who cares? Dante Moore's going to sit a year. Or is Gabriel saying, oh boy, I, I came here on a one-year deal and now all of a sudden I've got some real competition as a starter? Well, I think uh, I think that Dylan will be the starter. I also think that Dylan ought to get into coaching right away because he can take credit for helping develop Jackson Arnold and Dante Moore once he leaves Oregon. That's a better resume than half the people that are coaching quarterbacks in this country right now. So I think I think that might be the sneaky move for one Dylan Gabriel, but it's funny that you bring up the the quarterback situation at Oregon because uh, <laughs> um, the USC commit Ryan Pelham, uh, the four-star wide receiver that flipped earlier today, yeah. um, this is from Luca Evans, the guy that got suspended by Lincoln Riley. He said, asked former USC commit Ryan Pelham if his flip to Oregon had to do with the string of former top recruits transferring out of USC. He said maybe it had a little bit of a factor, yeah. But his brother had said that Oregon's quarterback situation was probably more stable as well. Tyler, the quarterback guru himself, lost a wide receiver 
in part because his quarterback situation was not as stable. Even as the offense else. is going bad. It's not just the defense anymore <laughs> and the special teams. Tell me, man, Lincoln it's going to next year. Woo. If Lincoln Riley and his quarterback room can be recruited against by Oregon, he's cooked. God, he better uh, for his sake. He better be going to the NFL. I'm just telling you, it's going to be an even worse disaster next season. Um, okay, last one. Here's what Eli Drinkwitz said today on National Signing Day on uh, uh, I think he was on a, 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 a radio show somewhere. A lot of schools are now just calling within the last 48 hours of a kid signing and throwing out crazy numbers. That's what Drink saying is happening on uh, National Signing Day now. But they've had no comments or no uh, connections with the kid. They call 48 hours before signing day and say, hey, here's a crazy NIL offer. You want to sign with us? To which a lot Drink's of people are saying, uh, hmm, Drink, you're saying that of all people? That's yeah, interesting. That, Eli Drinkwood saying that is the same as me saying that, hey, man, some people that get off air and watch basketball, they, they like to drink a little whiskey. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's like, dude, how tone deaf can you be? It's almost like he's leaned into that, like, villain role, nerd role, whatever you want to call it, that that just cringy role, is that he knows that they're doing it, so he wants to be the one that publicly complains about it with kind of a wink, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he may have leaned into the nerd role, but the nerd life definitely chose him. It's pretty easy to see with old Drinkwitz. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll close up hour number two with more OU football next right here on The Ref. Talking Sooner football is what we is helping end child hunger in America at helpnokidhungry.org. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number two of the rush. Tyler McComish, Travis Davidson. Recruiting rankings today, here's uh, how the SEC fare. 12 of the top 25 schools in the rivals rankings, SEC programs. Georgia with the number one class. Texas at two, Bama at three, OU at six, Auburn at seven, LSU at 13, Tennessee at 14, Ole Miss at 17, Florida at 19. That's probably changed since the last time I checked it. A&M at 21, Missouri at 23, and Kentucky at 25. Uh, in terms of the Big 12 schools that are staying, just one school made the top 25, and that was Texas Tech, a fringe top 25 program. So just goes to show you the talent level across the board. Is the SEC a little overhyped? Yeah, I, I think that it probably is, Travis. Not every single team in the SEC is a top five team, but will there be more talent spread throughout that conference than what you've seen in the Big 12, I, I think absolutely that's the case. Yeah, it's just, it goes to show, and I, and I don't want to Roger in L.A. this too much, but you, you've got to have the athletes, and you've got to realize the athletes that you're going to be across from, right? Like the, the things that worked in non-con that didn't work in the Big 12, well, it definitely going to not work in the SEC. So you have to you have to factor that into everything about your program, not only your play calling, not only your recruiting, but your nutrition, your recovery, everything like that has to take a step up. Uh, Soonerman93 says, I feel like Riley's coaching career is about to collapse. Recruiting class is mid-tier, losing big names in the portal, about to get rocked by Louisville, then joining the Big Ten next year. They'll be lucky to be bowl eligible. 
No one will want him as the head coach after this debacle at USC. He will either be done coaching or be in OC somewhere by the end of next year. You reap what you sow. Boomer. Yeah, I mean, I know I know part of this is wish casting on on sooner parts, but I mean, you can pretty clearly paint the picture, can't you? I like mean, he always Williams, says, it's close. Yeah. It's close to happening. Yeah, it, he's going to be closed out the door if he keeps this up. Yeah, who knows what that buyout is like at USC? Ooh. Oh my gosh, could you imagine? Uh, yeah, as much as they paid to get him out of here, as much as they were excited about it, oh, he'll be here for twenty years. Clark's got to be nervous years. as hell. Yeah, well, I think he is. Yes, might have to relocate out of the guest house or something. Final hour of the rush coming up next, right here on the ref. You're listening to the home of Sooner fans.